0: So if if I were going for Moonshot, I think that I'd be ignoring less what people at this stage are saying where the value is, and I'd be focused more on problems that are so big that they can't have a value statement yet. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is
1: If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question, what would you do if you were starting today? Today on the podcast, I have my friend Craig Swanson. Craig was back on the podcast on episode sixty-one. He has a very impressive background. In that episode, we talk about how he started more than ten companies. saw He sold all of them. Some of them for big exits, other for small exits. He's done that venture-backed route and raised tens of millions of dollars. He's done the bootstrap route. Uh, but he's coming on today because after selling his company, he's trying to figure out what to do with himself. He has enough money to kind of do nothing, but he's in uh, build mode. So he did this initiative where he launched six startups in six weeks. He actually surpassed and did 10 startups. And he talks about what he learned doing that. He's playing with AI and he has two companies or two ideas that are really starting to work and break out. And so it was super interesting, one, to see his approach on how he starts companies or validates ideas, and two, what his framework is for taking idea to failure or to validation. So if you're looking to build something and not sure how to approach it, how to be lean with it, he has some stuff that I think can help you with where you're at. But really hope you enjoy this episode with Craig Swanson. All right, today I've got a good friend of mine from the Seattle area, Craig Swanson. and Craig. Welcome to the second Timer Club. Very exciting. How you doing?
0: I I just I love talking to you. I I, <laughs> I feel like you bring out the best in conversation, and I'm just looking forward to see where this goes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way Craig and I talk is a lot of half-baked ideas. We always run out of time, and then it's like, all right, well, uh, we'll pick up next time. You know,
0: I get a full hour with you if we put it on the podcast. So I and mean, there bonus. we go. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, so that kind of brings to a good point. Craig was on the podcast before. I'll put in the the show notes, but I think it's one of our top 10 episodes. And the reason is Craig was very honest and open about his framework, about how we start companies and got into the financials behind it. Be like, okay, if I'm going to make a bet, here's how I separate my personal finances. And then the money I play with to see how this goes. And I think a lot of people want to know frameworks around how to approach it as opposed to just blindly going. And so that was really fun. And you found yourself in an interesting situation. You have sold one of your companies, and so you could go off and uh, hang out on an island, maybe. But you're in tinkering mode.
0: Absolutely. Actually, I sold all my companies. So all my companies were these online content companies, like Creative Live, like Superice Education. Basically, I've been selling, I've been selling little squares on web pages that lead to video for the last fifteen years. Got It all got really valuable during COVID. All of them got acquired and sold off. And so I'm actually looking, I'm actually like in the process of figuring out what I'm going to build next if it's not going to be little squares leading to videos.
1: So let's talk about the those. So were you intentional in that you were looking from a macro level, like, wow, high demand, good valuations, now is the time to unload these? Or was it like, I'm tired or like, well, what, what kind of like led into this like kind of big life event of selling
0: everything? I mean, honestly, so just in terms of the framework of how I work, I am the technical kind of secret partner behind influencers and uh, people that have really large audiences. So each of these, it was kind of that person's kind of decision on why we were selling. Like I, I, I set everything up so it can be sold. But this was just kind of a confluence of events where everything got really valuable. And so we had a lot of people offering in the, in the case of the company that bought Subrice Education. It was actually purchased by a one of the biggest photography trade show companies in the United States, and they found themselves going into COVID with no ability to put on trade shows. And so they actually were basically buying digital companies to cover where they were weak, which was basically having a digital version offered really an amazing deal we just could not turn it down amazing and also the entire planet got put on notice the entire planet got put on notice that if you are an expert somewhere you have to be able to like sell little boxes of video on 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 the internet and so i would say it probably wiped out about a seven to ten year lead that that i personally had on the market and that's not to say it, it just it's just there's so much competition so many people came into the market that With that and just like some transition, I thought maybe my time is over in this in this particular area and maybe I'm ready to look for the next uh, little innovative area that I'm going to work on.
1: Yeah, um, that's so interesting. It is kind of this perfect storm of like there's demand for you, but you also see the competitions heating up and you're like, okay, this is a good time. So we don't have to get into the details, but like what's that windfall mean for you? Are you like, is this like... FT money private jet island or like comfortable money like as far as where are you mentally like where the
0: eagerness to be the next thing I mean honestly so I mean, we're, if we're if we're doing the the honest conversation as opposed <laughs> to the hype conversation here's 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 the off truth right now my family could basically live to the end of to end of our all of our lives on the resources we have yeah. but I've kind of got this expensive habit that I need a business to be running to be able to use. So so effectively, I kind of came to conclusion, first of all, I don't know that I ever wanna sell all my businesses again, because I don't like not having a business. And I kind of have this habit that needs to be fed with business development that is probably like a quarter million to a half million dollars a year that I need to basically invest in, regardless whether there's a business to support it or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I don't have the resources to be able to throw a half million dollars a year in that habit for the rest of my life without a business actually succeeding and carrying it
1: got gotcha. yeah it's hard we were craig and i are in this entrepreneurship group we we're in whistler together sitting at a table over breakfast having coffee maybe some croissants and every and like we're just t- small talking and people introducing and someone goes craig what company do you run and you're like i don't have a company you're like i don't really know what i'm doing right now but it was like right after you sold everything but it's just it's kind of this like reflective time to go through, which is, has that been a good forcing function? Because it
0: sounds like it's made you realize you love building. It's like maybe this zero to one phase. Is that true? Zero to one actually is not my big thing. Uh, My big thing is more like hundred to a thousand, like like it's it's basically so uh, getting from the first hundred customers to the first thousand customers and building a scalable system in that process. So that's what I love. So I am kind of like looking for things that have like an easy on ramp to the first hundred. But, it, but in general, it is building out the system, innovate around the system, and getting it to a place where another team can basically take it and really go with it that I love doing. So like the first three years of growth are just my sweet spot.
1: Yeah. Andy, mm-hmm. I remember saying that. It's like you want there to be a little bit of traction validation, but going to that next level. So Craig mm-hmm. is doing something really, really interesting where you did this kind of build in public challenge where you're like, I'm going to do six startups in six weeks. And I think he passed that, right? You did like 10 or 11, Mm -hmm. Um, but you did them all around AI. Well, first, can you kind of talk through what drove the decision to do six startups in six weeks and why AI? It's maybe obvious, but like go through that narrative because you're very intentional with the categories and businesses, business models you choose.
0: Yeah. So actually I'm trying to remember what we might have talked about before, but this actually was something I did when i was between creative live and my next project i did something i called a 6 week startup and the idea was i i love tech stars i love i love like startup weekend i love some of these but a lot of that energy in those examples of these like weekend startups were more about basically presenting to a panel of judges than they were actually testing something in the marketplace and so right. i kind of took the structure of a weekend startup hackathon and basically said what could we do if we took that out over 6 weeks and so the way a six-week startup is structured for me is we basically have a six-week goal we're shooting for, and every week we start with a sprint. So it's basically a series of six weekly sprints. We start at the beginning of the week, basically ideate what we're gonna to try to take to market by the end of that week. And then by Friday of that week, we are taking whatever the current version of our, of our, of our product is and putting it in front of customers. So for me, It's all about getting customer feedback fast. So it's not six weeks to show it to customers. It's like literally six weeks of showing every iteration to customers. That's cool. And then I was playing with AI, just doing a lot of different things in in this space. And I basically said, okay, I'm gonna do a six-week startup around AI. And then I went on vacation for about two weeks. And in those two weeks, so much had changed in AI AI, that I realized I can't do a six-week startup in AI. It's moving too quickly. And so basically I just shifted everything back And said for the six, for these next six weeks, we're basically going to launch a product every week for the next six weeks. And along the way, we were basically building, building better scaffolding, different things like that. And I think we ended up like launching about 12 different products in that process. And I learned a ton and I use it as a forcing function to basically keep putting things out and keep getting feedback because without getting feedback from the marketplace, I don't know what works.
1: Yeah. First up, there's so much to unpack here, but you're saying we. Who's the we? Is this a team of like freelancers and people that you can tap to to build things? Or is this like you and your invisible sidekick?
0: Well, no. So first of all, I have a long-term developer I've worked with for years, and there are certain team members that I've built with for years. And I have invited or or I basically have been putting this out to my network that I'm doing this. And people have been self-inviting themselves in to basically do a week with me. So so Adam, who who you know basically mm-hmm. like like called up and said, hey, could we do something for Amazon sellers? And he and I had a conversation, kind of mapped it out, and like within two days, I had a prototype for him on what that could look like. We ended up creating this tool called Review Pulse that that we sprinted to and, and got into, and it's actually continuing to develop a little bit as we go along. I've had other basically friends and people come in and just offer their problem up, and and I use them as the example. So basically, I just have a lot of parallel play Uh, entrepreneurs to basically jump in for a week just to see what they can do with me.
1: That is so smart. That's the benefit of being open with this initiative because people will come to you to offer their problem, offer their help. And okay, well, yeah. We we can come back to like the process of how you quickly build things, but let's let's do some highlights on these six ones. Let's actually start with review polls. And just so people know, I've been playing with it. Craig has made two things for me that's making me look really impressive to clients. I'm taking a hundred percent credit for it. Let's listen to this podcast and I'll know Craig, but essentially, like I've been able to give him reviews from like Okendo or Po if you're a Shopify site or Amazon reviews, and that's the data set. And then you can use essentially AI to be like write ad copy, email copy based off this data set of the top reviews. And the output has been phenomenal. It's not necessarily the final thing, but it gets it 80% of the way there. That's the use case that has like knocked my socks off. And the fact we could do voice of customer. So what does that mean? It's like you have all these reviews. What's like the common language they're saying? Like you're a synthesizing like why people love a product, the problems they have. And I'm also interested in doing this for competitors, but like what 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 are you seeing with uh review pulse that people are excited about And let me know, did I butcher the pitch for it? Because I kind of
0: tweaked it to my use case. No, that is great. And honestly, I mean the whole thing is we're looking for use cases right now. So yeah. so it's review so right now it's reviewpulse.ai. And the original use case and the the current version, if you go to the front page of that, is for uh, Amazon resellers. You you type in your ASIN. And it automatically sucks down your your most current reviews, and then lets you do content creation around that. And it's expanded out to where I am basically pulling in from Google reviews, Yelp, Trustpilot, all sorts of different sources. And one of the things that really became clear as I was, as as we were playing and iterating with AI is there's a lot of people out there that are trying they're trying to basically have AI create things with as little input as possible, where you just like type in like a bunch of keywords and it just starts spitting out volumes of blog posts or things like that and what ends up happening is it's really generic stuff it's really generic broad unfocused kind of like general language stuff and what I really after after like doing two or three weeks of iteration started to realize is the stuff that really excites me the magic that comes in with AI is when we can basically prime and and focus AI's use with large quantities of either private data or very very focused data for for specific use. So so Jim when we were doing the test with some of your companies we were talking about basically we would just feed in all the reviews for one of your companies and then the only thing that we tell the system is about that and then we would tell it to basically come up with buyer personas or ads and generally what ends up happening is people are surprised and they actually wonder if we're scraping their website or like where this other information is coming in from because it's so specific and it's so dialed in to their one thing and catches nuance that they're really surprised.
1: Yeah, and that, that's that been the magic moment because the, that's the thing like ChatGPT AI, Jasper, Copy AI, those are fun and great tools, but it's very generic. When you can put in your own data set, that's when it's next level because we, we've been waiting for something like this for our purposes. The other thing that you've done is we have very specific formats we use for writing ad copy. And I, and you're like, send me some of your formats. I give Craig a spreadsheet of like 12 different ways we write ad copy, like problem solution, why you should switch, benefit focused. He uploaded those and it's like, boom, all this amazing copy based off the reviews. So like as you're like seeing some traction and use case with this, like what's your thought on... It's cause this is the interesting thing. You cause this is why I want to get to your framework of approach. It will come back to some of the other fun ideas, but it's you said something in a call we had, you're like, I'm excited about this and one other one, and you're gonna pursue these tell failure or validation. And I was like, that's awesome. Tell me more, like well, what does that mean as far as like going all in and tell like people hate it or they love it?
0: First of all, I have fallen in love with like a couple a couple things I've built really, I get excited and I see what it outputs and I go, oh my God, the, the people are going to love this. Yeah. And I'm amazed to me people don't. I mean, like, I'm, I'm amazed. <laughs> <laughs> like, this <laughs> is I, amazing. I, Do you not realize that? I, exactly. And, and, and I'm kind of using my own tool here, which is basically, I don't know, all my skills are based around how to learn from the first hundred and then from the first hundred customers or prospects and basically use the march from the first hundred to the first thousand to build scalable systems. And so I've got two Two scenarios where I really think there is some potential here. One is Review Pulse, and the other is something I'm calling Content Engine, which is similarly built, except for what it does. It, it ingests thousands of hours of of content that YouTubers create, or, or 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 podcasters, or I've been building content companies for years. So I've actually my one of my first SaaS clients for this is one of the companies that was acquired from me. Is we built this system that is creating. Materials from the thousands of hours of content that they've got in their library. And so two ideas similar. I'm kind of committing to basically, I want to I put them in front of 100 different people and have kind of deep conversations with 100 potential customers. And what I'm looking for is I'm looking for in that 100 is how many show some sign of personal self-interest or greed as opposed to doing Craig a favor. Because what I'm looking for is where is this stuff got the biggest pull where is the biggest opportunity and if i can't find that after talking to 100 people i think i can move on to the next project
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah craig said something funny to me whenever we we're taught like i was playing with review polls so i'm like oh this is cool and i was like i was like oh i'd use it best but i want to ask you to do this or do that and you go no jim you go be a hundred percent greedy Tell me like, how you would use this, what you want, and I will give it to you. And that was such a fun framework where I was like, oh, absolutely, I'll be greedy, Jim. And that's how you created these, these products. And so I thought that first, I thought that was a really fun way to approach it. So we talked about review pulse
0: with, did you call it content coach? Oh, and now we're from YouTube clip finder. Right. Yeah. So, so, YouTube Clip Finder was the product that we launched, that then grew into this other, this other thing. And, and I'm sorry, it, since we we're launching a product a week, it's sometimes a little bit hard to like keep track sure. of all the iterations as yeah, they go sure. along. Yeah. So let me let me just frame it by talking about like what the first step was, the thing that like showed some promise. One of the things I've been playing with, and and I've been creating companies for the last 15 years that basically create huge libraries of video content, and at Creative Live and at Superice Education. One of the problems we had is, honestly, you know, a given class might some be somewhere between six hours to 14 hours, and we were really good at creating new content. It was really hard to go back and organize and optimize no. past contents, just a different, different, different skill set. And so we would just go build a new course. We'd just constantly be building new courses because <laughs> they would sell, they'd let us grow. And we would just create this sea of content that we would look back on and say, what do we do with this? How can we like optimize this? How can we find stuff in here? And one of the things I was really playing with with AI early on is like, how can I organize, search, find and like basically pull information, pull, pull stuff out of like just seas of content. And so the first the first project around that was YouTube Clip Finder, where I I basically built a tool where I can go to any YouTube channel and I did a lot with podcasts, but basically they have thousands of hours of, of, of YouTube videos, pull in all the transcripts, create a searchable database of all those transcripts. Create it's a, it's a vector database searching thing, and then create a space where you can type in any request in just plain English, and it will find exactly those clip points that something comes up. And so we did, we did that with your podcast just before we started recording. You typed in, you know, some phrase, and it just took you right to those sections where people were talking about that.
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty magical because I was like, how to start like a SaaS startup, and it would take me right to clips where that would start. And you're just like, oh my gosh, the application for that is is amazing. You have another one that I like around Book Coach, where you can basically mine a book like Traction or Scaling Up and ask it questions, and it'll answer it in the form of the book. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Can I do this with all the like biographies from startup founders or like? uh I forget the one like the that um, Paul Graham's wife wrote around like um, founders how they build and their framework, but that one's amazing. But what's in so as you look at like talking to hundred people, so like people like me, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I will use this. But then there's a real difference in like here's take my money, right? I will pay you whatever for this. How do you navigate? False validation versus real validation. Because the other thing I'm thinking through is, out of all these ideas, what are the B2B ideas? Because B2B is where I think there's real money and budgets. Because even with Amazon Review Pulse, you have the ability to mine transcripts of conversations, and I'm like, man, B2B sales teams could be paying for that, or like looking at um, CB Insights and what they do to mine data. People pay them thousands of dollars. So I'm kind of I'm peppering with questions, but go back to that one like. What's false validation versus real validation
0: on this? Well, okay, so let's just start with what false validation is. Start, false validation is me thinking that it's validated because I love it. So let's just start with that level <laughs> of false validation. Yeah. And I guess the next level of that is me thinking that it's validated because other people tell me that they love it or yeah, and excited. And I'm
1: a people pleaser too, and I'm a yeah. hype guy. So you're like, don't yeah. listen to
0: me. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, and I, I, it, this comes across in enough, nef- never in a ways, but like ultimately, from a startup standpoint, like a, a startup is looking for two things to like create a business. One is to create value in the world. And then step two is to capture a portion of that value for the business. I don't get to have a conversation about step two, about capturing value until I find value. So what I'm right now doing is I'm looking for who, where is the most value that I can help create? So like when we're talking, Jim, if I can, if, if you can make tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars from a tool that I'm able to build, That's huge. Like that's actually validation. Like basically money flowing in some form of, in some form of validation is really what I'm looking for. When you start using it to make money for you, then I can have a separate conversation about like, how do I capture a portion for the business I'm trying to start? It doesn't have to be money. It can be other things. It can be attention. Like there's, there's a lot of ways around it, but ultimately I'm less focused on like my pricing, my structure, my things. I'm more focused on, Showing this to as many people as I can, having a conversation about how it can make money, value, save time, whatever the process is for these companies. And once I find enough people that are similar, that have a similar set of needs, then I can start to take the next step, which is to start to build out what the product might look out like at the next phase, what the pricing might be, how I might structure, how I might build the company. And honestly, if I, if I talk to enough people that I feel like I've really given it a solid shot and I'm not able to uncover where people are going to be able to create tremendous value in their life with this type of stuff, then as, then as much as I might be excited about it, for me, I'm ready to move on to the next thing and and try to find where the value is.
1: Yeah. That's really a fun way to approach it on this value exchange. It's like if it, I give it to someone, they derive more value from it. You're just taking a piece of it rather than it being this transactional thing. I think it makes a lot of sense. And it could even be helping people understand how they like harness the value. Because even in my use case, like amazing. I, the value exchange lives a little bit on like you're making, helping me do things faster and more cost effective. Like can we make more money. There's also a world where, like, some of these things could be things that I'm selling through to the client that are that are revenue generating. Because one framework we think through with SaaS is you either save people time and money, you make them money, or you wow them with an amazing experience that's better than what they've done before. And some of these definitely have that ability. But I I, I struggle with SaaS. I don't have deep experience in it where it's like making something that's cool versus a must have thing that solves a problem. Because I was talking to another person on the podcast who made this really cool Shopify app that takes that stories experience you see on Instagram and makes landing pages. So a story ad goes straight to a story kind of landing page with the transaction. He's like, the problem is everyone says it's cool, but no one's like, oh, that solves a problem, which sounds so obvious when you're building. But it's easy to lose sight of that as you're kind of going like, technology first as opposed to like i have a problem i need to build something for i know you're kind of doing it uh, both ways
0: yeah i think so 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 like i said i i have sold one so i've got i've got one SaaS product that i'm actually selling to a client which is the the company that bought super education but it's it is something that is fairly limited number of clients that could buy it's basically for companies that have thousands of hours of content either behind a paywall or in a YouTube library or something like that, that they need to create content from, find clips, and basically build out ways of being able to use that content to create blogs, posts, help people find things, like just all this stuff. And in that case, I just knew the company really intimately. And my the way I was positioning it in the conversation, what I'm looking for is I want that product to, at the very least, have them be able to replace a had the value of a sixty thousand a year employee. so I yeah. want oh, I want to create a product cool. that can that can basically have at least the value of one 60000 thousand dollar employee. If you think about it, sixty thousand dollars employee is probably not a probably not a strategic planning employee, but it but it's probably probably someone that's doing a lot of content creation, a lot of a lot of like reading research, creating all that. And if I can create a a a tool that for them, can let them get that much value out of it or potentially more, then that's something that is starting to seem really valuable. And like that that starts to create a path for me to build something really, really valuable. That's cool. I love that you're attacking a specific line item on like the the
1: PNL and you're doing it where it's like easier, faster, and it's gonna be less than
0: 50%, more than that of what you're gonna say. That's a really cool approach. And, and if you were, so like, like we're, we're talking about this, the thing, like similarly, if this product we're talking about or showing you, if it was something you said, wow, I can actually, like, this could actually be a 40 to $60,000 a year copywriter, given what it's producing. Like they, they wouldn't be able to like do the direction. We wouldn't send that copy out without, without review, but this is something that we could basically replace those, those other units in the business. These are people in the business. I mean, then there's something there. Like, that, that's, that's one level. And then the other level is like, you know, where else can we play? Like, I, so I've been talking to small business owners that, that maybe can do voice of customer. I've been talking to copywriters that are really great interviewers and looking at whether, hey, you know, so you can do like 10 really great interviews. You're really good at interviewing people. Could we create a box that does the data science below that, that basically gets you really close to being able to create a researched voice of customer Output from you doing 10, you know, 10 interviews. So there's all these opportunities. And really the, the trick is we can't do everything. I can't do everything. I can barely do one thing. So the, the the trick is if if I'm gonna do one thing for the next several years and really give it my all, where's the most value opportunity to chase?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So what with some of these ideas I've gotten looking at cocktail genius, wine app advisor, domain joy, AI workout picker where you pick, pick workouts some of these are really fun talk to the ones you've built where you're like okay those were just fun and i'm not gonna pursue those to failure or validation or were those kind of like i feel like each one you make you're getting sharper and sharper sharper and better and better at building tools around ai were some of those just to build to figure out how but the developer and i do this in a week to make an ai tool
0: exactly and in fact like there's this hidden thing happening in the back end if you look at the icons for each of those the icons actually give you a sense of how refined i think that is so they start out as these very simple black and white line drawings (laughs) uh, and they get a they they get a little more a little more clarity so the very first ones are what i would call like they are just literally just very super simple prompts basically they're just basically they're just they're they're this overlay on top of open ai where you just type in a phrase and it just kind of like does something on top of it. Yeah. And so one of the things I've also been trying to figure out is, is I, I feel like I need to get through some of, a lot of cliches in in AI development to be able to find where the value is. Yeah. And so um, there is kind of this staggered process where I'd basically be proving out a technical project each step of the way. I need to solve a problem that does X, I need a problem that does Y. Mm-hmm. And I'll usually be solving technical problems before I then go try to figure out where a market opportunity is. So like one of those, one of those that I actually had the most fun with is, near the bottom, it's called Zoom Background Generator. If you click All on right. Zoom Background Generator, you literally just type in what is your profession and what style of background do you want? And it creates four Zoom background images. All right, let's do this. And the, the whole point to that was, I wanted to start building tools that would do auto image generation from AI. And we ended up building a tool that by the way, it's gonna take about 10 minutes to actually generate that. So you're gonna type it in and then you're gonna to have to like wait that. for about 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but basically we are working with technical ways that we can script and work in with various image generators. And then I just sent it around to all my friends and said, okay, I've got this thing. I need something to demonstrate it. And I was thinking I was gonna do like a tarot card generator. I was gonna do like a, an iPhone background image, different things. Right. And a friend of mine said, do Zoom background. And yeah. And Zoom background is like the perfect example of a specific image size specific image use okay. and that one if you look at it you can actually scroll through through and see all the examples that people have done and you just keep scrolling this is one of the ones that people have just been using for their own purposes quite a lot that's cool that's and, if you, and if you click on any of them like you can just go and take a look at like what that is
1: and for people that are wondering what we're looking at if you go to craigstartup.com he has all of his startups that he's built have you tried to do any like fun launches with these on product hunt or anything and just to like make noise or are these not worth that energy yet? Or maybe some of them you're so excited about. You're like, let me wait till I do the, I bet this more.
0: So part of the weekly, part of the weekly publishing process was also forcing me to like do different things. So, so I've actually built this little collection of tools in the back end that allow me to do like the logo creation or the naming creation or like, so, 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 the short version is, as we've as we've moved along, we've gotten closer to being able to get to a product launch style launch for each one. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to do that right from the beginning, and I basically realized, oh, okay, there's a lot more work than just creating the project to actually take it to market. And so oh, wow. so, I'm actually end up building both products and building backend systems to try to take them to market. And and then what ended up happening is we end up narrowing in. I think I've ended up picking the two projects I actually want to pursue. And so Genuine. for those, they're not even on there in this in this case because I'm actually doing a little bit more one-on-one research. We're doing a little bit more work on them and we're actually gonna be taking them to market a little bit more genuinely, you know, with yeah. with the uh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And so for people that don't know your background, if they haven't heard the first podcast, you've done it you've done businesses a couple different ways. You've done the like VC backed, let's go for the moon, like big-time investors out of San Francisco, working with Tim Tim Ferriss, went for the moonshot exit, had a nice outcome. You've also done a little bit more of the bootstrap path. You've kind of played both games. As you like pursue these ideas, and let's say you hit traction, you're like, wow, people are paying for this. I want to start growing. Like, Where's your head at right now as far as approaching those two paths, as far as key majority ownership, bootstrap yourself first hey i need money to do this the right way because it's going to be a competitive landscape that's always innovating and changing
0: like where where's your head at so i think my head first is trying to find where the value is and so and based on the fact that i'm looking for existing value i don't think i'm going for moonshot i I definitely so so if i were going for moonshot i think that i'd be ignoring less what people at this stage are saying where the value is and i'd be focused more on problems that are so big that they can't have a value statement yet and I'd be looking for like this almost you know this this very unlikely thing that I'd be able to solve but if I solve it it's huge yeah and and I don't think that's what I'm doing I think what I'm doing is looking for looking for problems that exist in the market that I can create tools within the within the coming year to really address and really make an impact on and so for that probably we're not looking at vC backed and I, and I, I think, did. and also, I think one of the things that people, I think, I think a lot of people make the mistake in terms of which direction they go. So, so I, I think if you're going to go VC back, this is just my opinion, just kind of my thought. Well, if you're going VC backed, you're trying to play for something big. You're trying to play for something big that like well, from the VC standpoint, yeah, only a small, there's only be a small percentage of people shooting for this that are going to be winners in this. Right, and right. basically VCs want to back someone that, has a chance at winning that niche and they're going to burn a lot of money in that process of chasing that niche and if they are the winner it's going to be a huge windfall and just mathematically most people are going to miss. Yeah. And because I like creating for an audience, I like creating for 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 communities, I think I tend to be a little bit closer to the ground in terms of the problems. So <laughs> Most of the problems I'm trying to solve generally generate revenue as part of their proof that the problem exists. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I don't think VC is necessarily the way to go for most of those problems. I will say also, the other thing is some people will go the VC route who are incredibly brilliant people. And one of the things they need to do with VC money is basically pay their own salary or pay a small amount to themselves so they can do it. And I'm just fortunate enough that I don't have to do that. Like I, like I said, I can't, I don't have enough money to just invest without without a win the type of the type of money i'd like to in building a business but i can do yeah. my own funding for my own life for like but for a decade period of being able to chase ideas and dreams mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's a very yeah. offensive position to be in so you don't have to go that path of of, of getting on
0: the yeah. kind of fundraising hamster wheel which is is nice and so the one thing so that is to say i think if the problems because there have been some things i've looked at were some opportunities were, I think that if what we are trying to do was something where we really did need to run at a drastic loss for many years in order to get a shot at being able to solve the problem and see whether we're able to win. And there are some scenarios like that 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 are really interesting, where we generate audience or where we basically know that we're going to build something, we're going to serve a lot of people, but we're not going to make a lot of revenue for the first several years. I... I'm not opposed to VC at all. Like I would totally go VC if that's what I want to, if that's what the opportunity shows itself as. But I think a lot of people in the startup space are so focused on raising money that they are disconnected from, from finding the value. Like they're trying to find the value from a few people that are going to give them a lot of money to basically go burn as opposed to finding the value in the world.
1: Oh, totally. I feel like yeah. fundraising and playing that game of networking to do it takes up so much bandwidth it's taken yeah. away from building a product people want, finding value, giving value. Um, no, that that that's super interesting. Um, and as you kind of like evaluate this, like where where is like your zone of genius where you're like, wow, I'm in my groove right now versus like where are you tapping resources to, to help you with this? Because you've you've been there, done that, and you know like where you're strong, and you know where okay, where I need some
0: help. You know, actually, this is great because I'll be able to articulate, and maybe some, maybe I'll actually find. It. So, for me, in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like I was back in 2010. I am. I feel really like I'm diving, diving deep into the technology. I've actually been doing a lot of Python programming, which is new for me. I've been having really nerdy conversations with, with I've, been, I've been the dumbest one in a lot of smart rooms recently. So I've been like <laughs> learning a ton. And if I look at my last 15 years, I have partnered with people that are really exceptional at brand and community. And I've basically been the technical infrastructure back end that's made those businesses really possible and really fly. I think that may be similar in here. I may end up creating some really interesting solutions and I, and I probably am looking for a partner that is really exceptional at brand and community and probably has an audience already of some sort Amazing. and can marry those two together. Because at least at least my, my my historical record, I'm really great at basically scaling where we've got a community base in place, where we've got an audience in base. And so a lot of times I basically come in with someone that's got the seed to something that we can really blow up and they've got a lot of the skills and the mar- and the, the branding and like they, they really know how to talk to the needs of a community. Well, and then I'm able to come in and basically build the platform that makes that really shine. So as I'm looking at these different opportunities, one of the things I'm looking at is maybe, maybe I'm looking for people that have really successful brands and businesses in areas and I can come in and potentially partner with them to create something that makes a dent in their industry you know sure. that, that that kind of rethinks their industry with with the new technologies coming out with ai and everything else and between them being the domain experts and the visionary in their particular industry and me being the back end platform builder i kind of think that might be a path for the next big thing
1: yeah the thing that's smart about that too is I think a lot of people will launch with the idea of like, oh, build it and they will come. One thing you've done before is like, you're always like, go where there's already an existing customer base where they're proven to, or a community where they're actually proven to potentially do a transaction with that person that owns the community, which sounds so obvious, but it's like, it's such a great shortcut or smart cut when when doing that. And it's worth what you're giving up in equity or whatnot. I would be excited to see you do that on the B2B side, like going with that B2B influencer, or a person that has the community to do that because I just think that the price tag to be on
0: top of that as opposed to a consumer could be huge, right? Absolutely, as you could do. So many builders, so many builders want to toil in secret in their basement for years and then come out with some of this brilliant thing and and, and this happens in, in all industries, whether whether it's content, technology, apps, there is a complete separate energy between creating a thing and then selling and taking that thing to market. And and there is there, there are a lot of people that say, if I, I want to build something beautiful, then people will come. And I, I take a little bit of the opposite side is I don't want to spend a year or five years building this thing if no one's going to show up. And so if they're going to show up, I can usually figure that out ahead of time as long as what I'm building is like within a certain scope of, of today. Like, like, if, again, if I'm doing a moonshot, if I'm trying to basically like, I'm not trying to create the next, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to create the next unicorn. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe something will like will appear, but I'm, I'm trying to build really significant products that change industries and really make an impact, but it's not by changing the world, is by changing that, uh, the people in that industry.
1: Yeah. So you're like, you're going deeper on the kind of content one on, with, with videos. You're going deeper on the one around reviews or customer, voice of customer. I'm very interested in the competitive one, kind of being like the AI version of spy food, which would be exciting. What are some other, are you, like, are you not going to launch any new ones and just focus on these two? Or are you still going to keep launching ideas as you think about them to validate?
0: Well, so let's start with this. My goal is not to have... 15 teen, like little apps. So my, like my, 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 purpose in launching apps and products is to discover what creating a startup in this new world of AI looks like. It's not to have a portfolio of a whole bunch of tiny little things. Yeah. And so what I, what I'm, what's ended up happening is as I'm iterating, the iterations are becoming narrower and narrower and narrower and more focused in certain areas. And, and then at the end of this, I will either validate one of these two ideas I'm chasing down or I'll be able to validate something that's peripherally related, but ideally I'm going to be able to create something that is fairly fairly narrowly focused and really focused on that one thing. Now, the one thing that historically I have done that I think I may do it again is when I have narrowed down the solution, it usually can be it can usually be providing a really amazing impact across Multiple industries and multiple domains, and so I can effectively use it over and over again. So if you look at what I did with Creative Live and Superice Education and Kaisa Fit, I effectively, as I said, was like selling you know a uh, hundred, you know, I, I saw like small square boxes that that lead to videos on websites. But one was one was huge in photography, one was huge in fitness, one was huge in a lot of different subjects, and so I was able to basically do a number of companies that were very, very similar in very very separate niches and even be able to sell them and give them give them a non-compete in that particular space while i'm continuing to find other things the fact that i am selling videos in fitness wasn't a problem to the people who bought my photography education yeah. company so there's also a possibility that what we end up building in this space for ai what? may be able to serve a number of different industries oh, um,
1: totally. i mean you already seeing it with amazon versus me working with like shopify or b2b mm-hmm. clients so yeah yeah that, that's yeah that, that makes a lot of sense I could be a fun model the other thing that I'm thinking mm. through with you is like it's all about one getting that da- data set you talk about having the unfair uh-huh. advantage of a community I'm also yeah. thinking through the unfair advantage of timing a distribution channel that could emerge uh-huh. like one example yeah. like the the privy CEO like they launched on the back of the Shopify marketplace uh-huh. blowing up and I'm thinking through like what are these other distribution channels that'll pop up where you could use their data set like obviously slack, has launched theirs, it's not as new as it was. I know Stripe's opening up like a marketplace where yeah. you could come in and, and use that data set. Obviously like Zoom, there's already a bunch of tools yeah. we use. You introduced me to read AI, which I am obsessed with and use on a daily basis. But but those are those are things that I'm thinking through
0: as well to like shortcut the, the distribution part of this. Yeah. Absolutely. And also I think that I think things are changing so rapidly that I would not like I would not try to build a ten year company uh, or a hundred or a year company in AI. I, I think I think we might be able to serve a need and might be able to really iterate rapidly and stay on top of what's happening. But we are so so early, so so early in AI that when we look back at like the solutions we come up with today, they are going to be so tinker toy compared to the solutions that we're going to be building five years and 10 years from now and so a lot of it is also just getting a place at the table and being able to like like create something interesting but the, but also to learn to set up a path to be able to like be forced to continue learning within a narrow band because yeah like i feel like right now in a lot of ways you remember when when the 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 app store for the iphone first came out and people were making like Tens of thousands, flashlight like apps, the yeah. flashlight app. So so I genuinely think that a lot of the first things I was launching were the flashlight app equivalent of AI. There's a lot of people doing flashlight versions of AI, yeah. which is just this really thin little skin on top of AI that is, is amazing, but it's really pulling all its value from what the underlying AI system is doing and not adding a lot to it.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. And like whether something really flushes out now versus down the road, you're like setting that foundation to be in the room Mm -hmm. within the eye, building things. And like the doors that opens, I think is, is a really exciting, you know, even within like our entrepreneurship community, you're already Mm -hmm. the kind of the AI guy, guy. you did a talk on it. Like Uh, me and Adam are hitting you up for (laughs) for advice and stuff. So that's, that's exciting, man. But, but what else, what else are you thinking (laughs) through or should we talk about around this? I won't make you spit out a bazillion half big ideas because you kind of Mm -hmm. already did. But I can't yeah. tell people enough to go to Craigstartup.com to uh-huh. see everything. It's it's super inspiring how you did that so fast. Like I really don't know how you did that. Like, did you have to set cardrails on like the version has to only have this and we're saying no to all these other things? Because feature bloat is so real. Come up with the yeah. name, the logo, all the unnecessary things can take stupid time.
0: So yes, I for one thing I've like I said, I've got a bunch of tools in the back end that I built just to streamline my own process from basically ideation to to naming to domain. So it has to have a domain name, it has to have a name, like all these little things that just have to happen. It has to be trademarkable if we're gonna end up going a little bit farther on right. that. But the big thing is we end up building in a lot of back end stuff. So the reason I'm able to turn this out so quickly is because we're building out recipes for AI app development or AI tool development where there's basically kind of like, right now, there's like three fundamentals. Basically, systems to upload data into some form of semantic vector searchable database, the database organization itself, and then the front-end system that basically does all the querying. And what we've done is we've really streamlined the front-end system. So I've got this front-end system where I can basically do really rapid creation of tools because that is so uh, so simplified. It's basically what we end up having to build so that I could launch an app every week. And then most of the stuff we're doing on the back end is we're doing a lot of like custom uploads and different things like that. And so to someone that doesn't necessarily know on the back end, like I'm able to have a conversation and come back in 24 hours with a functional tool. It's because maybe one of the things that's actually most interesting when I show them to to other developers is the tools we've got on the back end to allow us to build an app every every week is is in itself maybe the one of the things that we end up like launching.
1: That's super exciting, man. Well, Craig, I'm going to put all this stuff in the show notes as far as what you're building, and you and I need to talk a lot more about this stuff. Anyway. But where else should we point people if they want to see what you're doing?
0: I think you could send people to craigstartup.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. And yeah, and especially if you're an entrepreneur with an with a real with an existing business or you've got a exi- existing audience, you want to talk. I would love to connect. I'm looking for I'm looking for someone that can shortcut that can shortcut that service to a really big audience and has a problem that's going to be significant enough to really work on for the next five years. So I am actively talking to people, especially in the the, the large volume of content space. So if you've got like huge libraries of video or if you, if you have ideas on what you'd like to be able to do with like automated marketing systems around reviews. These are both things that I'm actively talking about right now.
1: Yeah, you know, and I want to crack it. I want to do one of your launches to our email
0: list of like yeah.
1: 1,000 people and see what happens. But yeah, they, they crack up. Um, but Craig, thanks so, for, so much for the time, man. This was fun. I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over hundred startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, Growth Hit has perfected a growth process that's hell bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out growthhit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear your feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Are you a business owner in desperate need of talent, but you have issues finding good people or worse, you find the talent, but then they want you to pay them double. what you have budgeted? Yeah, I know the feeling. This is where remotely talents can help. Imagine having a personal HR team that finds you a plus talent. And here's the best part. It costs you 40 or even 80% less than us employees. It's magic. So let's say you need help with setting up your social ads, your Google ads, email marketing, website development, customer service, their team sources the top Ukrainian talent for you and they deliver three top vetted candidates straight to your inbox. It's a one-time payment and best yet, they give you a 60-day guarantee to ensure you're happy. Hey, if it doesn't work out, they'll find and replace the talent for free. Even better, 3% of all sales go to the children's hospital in Ukraine. At Growth Head, our agency, we've hired four people from Ukraine. I am blown away by the level of work we're getting. So whether you need a virtual assistant or a creative director, give this a try. Go to remotelytalents.com right now and start a conversation see if they can help you. You really have nothing to lose.